0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's episode of Mel Liberty. I am your host, Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. I am thrilled to have you here this week. Uh, This week we have a very important uh, topic to get into, and it's one that I've wanted to have for quite some time now. Um, But first, if you you haven't listened to last week, I highly recommend it. It was really one of the most informative and uh, Well done interviews and and just well thought out uh, Interviews that I've had it was with Ron Feingold of Turning Point USA and uh, We discussed on on the libertarian position of Israel Uh, It wasn't a hundred percent in agreement, but it was something that I think it was a conversation that I think needs to be had among libertarians and among liberty-loving individuals. Um, Israel, I I consider to be a topic that is probably uh, the most divisive among libertarians, aside from perhaps abortion. Um, And it's a conversation that I think that we cannot have enough of. Uh, So please, I encourage you to go back uh, into that. Um, I recently turned 21 so that was really exciting and uh, i I got to purchase a a firearm which is kind of a positive and, po- and kind of a negative um, because <laughs> it's positive because I, I, I love guns that's it's one of my favorite hobbies um, to collect and to shoot um, but it's kind of a negative negative because I had to deal with government even more and it's a wildly incredible inconvenience to try to deal with government even when practicing your your basic right to self-defense um but anyway that's that's besides the point this week and that that is something that i want to tie into uh, later on into this discussion this week i want to talk about something that is very popular Among college campuses, very popular among higher academia, uh, but not really popular whenever it's put to practicality. Uh, And that is communism uh, versus capitalism. And why communism and socialism have never ever worked in the history of mankind, and it never, ever will. Before we actually get into that, though, some of the more practical uh, reasons why it will never work, and it never has, and it never will. Um, First, we need to understand what it actually is about, because I really don't think that a lot of conservatives or libertarians who, who like to talk about this subject... I really don't think that they actually understand what it actually is. Uh, communists and socialists aren't necessarily advocating for the growth of the state, like so many of us tend to believe that they that they actually do advocate for. That's not necessarily the case, We uh, conservatives and libertarians tend to look at the real-life, real-world, practical examples um, and say, well, look, this is communism. You know, this is socialism. And in in which case, we are right about that. That is 100% right. Cases like Cuba, cases like Venezuela, uh, which is a case that we'll get into more in-depth later on in this this episode. Um, Cases like the Soviet Union, uh, and in China, in Mao's China, these are all cases of communism and socialism. But the left doesn't see that. The, the left doesn't see these individual cases, these, these real-life examples. They don't see those examples as actual cases of communism and socialism, when in fact they are. But we have to make the distinction, and we have to understand why they don't think that. And then we actually have to understand, we have to make the bridge for them to understand that yes, that is communism, and yes, that is cap or, uh, uh, socialism, and this is why your theory on what uh, communism and socialism is inevitably always leads to death, destruction, hunger, starvation, and calamities, and oftentimes war. Communism is not the growth of the state. It's actually quite the opposite. It actually, anarcho-communism, which is probably the, the most pure form, the the, very, the the idea that Marx had for, for a communist society, uh, anarcho-communism is, is what most people I would consider who claim to be actual communists or actual socialists, uh, tend to gravitate toward And this is a subject that I want to have several episodes on uh, But this I'm, I'm going into a very broad discussion of it first of all um, Because there are several cases and several instances that we can actually divulge into and have a series of, of episodes on this, but first of all I want to explain why yes That is actually real socialism. And yes, that is actually real communism. But first we have to understand um, what is anarcho-communism and what is anarcho-capitalism and why they are so different. While strangely enough being similar. Both anarcho-communism and anarcho-capitalism is kind of the pure state. it's it's Rothbard versus Marx, you know um, these are these are the absolute pure states of existence of society that that the two opposing factions gravitate toward. But the biggest difference between the two inevitably is, The individual versus the collective. Now I, and I've said this before, I am not an anarchist. I'm certainly not an anarcho-communist. Ancoms are violent most of the time and and just batshit crazy. Um, But I am not an anarchist. I'm not an anarcho-capitalist. I would consider myself a minarchist. I want the government to be shrunk. ...to its smallest state possible while still having the ability to protect rights, uh, to protect life, liberty, and property. That's the only job of the state. But, however, I do give a little bit more credit to, uh, actually a lot more credit, to anarcho-capitalists... ...because ANCAPs are still about the individual at the root... Of their philosophy anarcho-communists are not anarcho-communists believe in a stateless and and a in uh, a classless society but they also believe in the nature of collectivism and that is the key difference that is what is important and that is why their ideology no matter how philosophical they may get and no matter how um, ideological they may get uh, that is why communist societies inevitably fail that is why every time you see a, a communist or a socialist society that academia and professors and the media uh, will always gravitate toward and will always say look this is a prime example of a success story of socialism this is how true socialism is supposed to work but then it doesn't then it always fails it always ends up with hundreds of thousands of millions of people starving being shot and with a power hungry dictator the idea of of equality for for everyone, is not realistic. ANCAPs or just capitalists in general, not even ANCAPs, but capitalists in general, they understand human nature. Human nature can be greedy, yes, but they can also do a, a tremendous amount of good. Either way, it is limited to the individual. Something that you do in a capitalist society it can only be you can only affect those who you allow into your life and those who others allow into their lives if they allow you into their lives those are the only people that you can affect in a communist society that's not the case you are not held accountable for your actions there is no uh, personal responsibility in a state of true equality with no ownership of property with no ownership of of money with no class what happens inevitably is what's known as the tragedy of the commons now this is something that we went into uh, a little bit actually a lot we we did an entire episode on this um, and we could go into it more but I, I just want to touch back on this on Episode 9, I believe, of Liberty*. We had an episode. It was right around Thanksgiving. Because this is what happened. This was America's experiment in what true socialism is. True communism. The the Marx idea of a completely classless society. This happened in pre-colonial America. This happened with the Pilgrims. It's known as the Tragedy of the Commons because it is, in fact, a tragedy. The Pilgrims almost starved themselves to death because there was no ownership of property. There was no um, drive for any individual to do more than the bare minimum because there was no personal responsibility. Anyone could take out? Sure, it was kind of uh, put on the honor system. But as we know, as, as we inevitably know that men are greedy and people will always take out more than what they put in. It doesn't matter if you won't, the other guy will. Someone else will. And this led to them starving throughout the winter. And several pilgrims died because of this. What changed in how this was before the first uh, Thanksgiving, mind you, and you can go back and listen to my Thanksgiving episode on this to get a more in-depth idea of, of, of what, this, what happened here. But what changed was that the first Thanksgiving didn't happen until after this. And how it happened was because they said, we're dying here. We have to realize that. This is not a smart idea. They said, we are trying to pretend like we are smarter than God himself if we think... That we can just put everything in and then everybody can take something out whenever they need it and nobody will abuse that system. Drive goes down. Their sense of purpose. Their individual sense of purpose. We're not a collective. People are individuals. But understand that there's a community in in individuals and we'll touch on that later, but this is why I think it's so important that libertarians, we must take back our words we must take back words like liberal we must take back words like community because these kind of words the the meaning that they actually have can only be fulfilled in in the ideas that that libertarianism has there's nothing there's there's no community connection in communism ironically enough there is no connection there when individuals have a sense of purpose when they have a sense of purpose because they can keep and they can see the fruits of their labor and they get to earn that money and keep the, the fruits that they have labored for for so long. That's something that gives them incentive. That's something that they want to keep striving more for. They will put in more hours so that they can get more out of what they put in. The great irony of of true communism, the, the kind of communism that almost starved the pilgrims, um, is that that can only be achieved in a capitalist society. Their ideas of what, you know, the the ideas of a classless society, that can only be achieved in a capitalist society. Now what do I mean by that? That seems that that seems like it's a it's a conundrum. You, you can't have both. In a true anarcho-communist society without the state, there is nobody and there is nothing to prevent me from achieving what I want to achieve. If I look at you and I say, oh my gosh, why would you want to, and I say, oh my gosh, why would you want to do that to yourselves? Why would you want to starve yourselves to death? And I pick up and I say, you know what? I'm going to make something of myself. I say, you know what? I'm going to be an individual. I I like the idea of what you what you have going here, and it's nice, and it's good in theory and all that, but Y'all are dying. I don't know why you want that, but I certainly don't if there is no state Then anyone can do that and classes will inevitably be created. This is why communism always inevitably unless You know, it it happened like with the Pilgrims where they realized their mistakes and they tried something else, like property rights. So long as they stay on that communist road, communism inevitably leads to dictatorship. And the thousands that were starving turns into millions. And what was the abolition of the state turned into the most powerful state known to man. This is what happened in, in the Soviet Union. Uh, This is what happened in, in Mao's China that led to the greatest atrocity in human history, bigger than Hitler, bigger than even Stalin. Why is it that that's okay? But what Hitler did, no, that was pure evil. We all recognize that. But we don't recognize that in China, at least not all of us. I recognize that. That is absolutely pure evil. And I'm sure the the people listening to this program for the most part anyway would would recognize that, but it's still wrapped around a good theory it's not wrapped around hatred quite like Hitler was Hitler's ideology was wrapped around uh get the jew get the get the little guy whereas communism is is it's propped up and made to look like this is all about. Uh, Sharing—it's all about togetherness. It's all about um, being one with each other, and 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 all these good ideas and good good theories and good philosophies. That has always led, whenever you take away the sovereignty of the individual, that always leads to massacres, starvations, famines, and death every single time. Human nature does not end with communism. Human nature does not end with socialism. And understand that I'm throwing a lot of isms at you. There's only one ism that you really need to know and really need to understand when understanding all of these ideologies because all these ideologies can be grouped into one ism that defines them all, collectivism. It doesn't matter if it's right-wing, if it's left-wing, uh, if, it's, if it's about a stateless society or it's about a gigantic government society. Collectivism. That is the greatest enemy to the individual. It is the opposite and it doesn't matter what form it takes. Communism, racism, uh, fascism, socialism, all of these things. They are just all different forms of collectivism. Now going back to what I said about how it can only that communism in its true sense can only be achieved in a capitalist society is because a capitalist society is the only society that will allow a group of individuals to come together to live in a commune if they so choose so and it won't lead to their death at least by the hand of an external force by the hand of the government by the hand of those Uh, who are above them. It's about voluntarism. They can do that if they want to. But ironically enough, that can only be achieved with capitalism. And capitalism at its core, and libertarianism at its core, is individualism. It's about personal responsibility. It's about you do with your life whatever you want to with it. You cannot create a classless society in a nation or throughout the world or whatever without the initiation of force. And to do that, you have to have the brute force and the strong arm of government. This is what they found out in the Soviet Union, and this is how it led to the deaths of millions upon millions all throughout Europe and Asia. This is the inevitable escalation of communism. This is what happens. Because government's natural home is in the collective. You cannot create a class of society without government. Because otherwise I can just pick up and leave and, and take more and uh, have a, a sense of purpose, a sense of self-ownership, and move upwards in the societal ladder. When encountering these uh, these individuals who are full of whether they're just a bunch of dopey college kids or whether they are some Marxist professors who may be wrong but are incredibly dangerous because they know so well what it is they believe. They have considered so much. Whenever uh, discussing with these people and don't try to just for the record, don't try to like argue with a with a marxist professor thinking you are going to change his mind because that's not going to happen. If you do, do it for those around you because those are the people who you need to attract. Do it for the students or perhaps faculty around you. Because if there's some marxist professor, you're you're not going to change their mind. First of all, they're in academia. And this is nothing against academics. But it is something against Marxist academics because they can be some of the most snobby douchebags in human history, okay? You're not going to change their mind, especially if you don't have some kind of a degree, let alone a doctorate. That's not going to happen. But when you are arguing, make sure you're arguing not just that you're talking to them, but in a way that somebody near you, whenever they're hearing you, so that they understand what you're trying to say. So that they can make the connection. Appeal to their humanity and to their human interests. Now whenever whenever you are arguing with them, as I was saying, understand what it is that they are advocating for. It's not so much that they're advocating for for Stalin. It's not so much that they're advocating for Mao, even though some of them can be apologists for Mao. And can I just say that those who deny the atrocities and the horrors of communism are just as bad as Holocaust deniers. If not worse, honestly. I I think they're worse because uh, there are more of them and people take them at least seriously. Whereas Holocaust deniers, we all look at them and be like, oh my gosh, what's, what's this idiot? They're denying the atrocities that occurred at Auschwitz? No. You're just as bad if you deny... The atrocities of Stalin, of Castro, of Mao, Paul Pot, or even Hugo Chavez, which is something we'll get into very shortly here. But when when arguing with these individuals and debating them, always remain level-headed. Always remain rational. Try not to get punched, because they are violent. They are incredibly violent people. For somebody who who wants peace and love and 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 just everyone to get together, man. For everyone who who wants that, they are some violent individuals. Be safe about it. Be rational and be cool-headed about it. But understand what they are trying to say. Because that's the only way you will connect to them. And then build the bridge. Let them know why their ideas of this classless society removing... The individual's sense of purpose away from them. Why that always will lead to a dictator? Because if you don't have a sense of purpose, if you don't have that sense of freedom of liberty to do whatever you want to achieve whatever you want, then you're just going to throw your hands up and be like, "Okay, do you know do whatever." If if you want to, if you're going to enforce this classless society so that everyone's equal. Go ahead. I don't care what method you use. That's why, as, as Mao said, political power comes through the barrel of a gun. That's the tran- That's the transition. That's the escalation. It starts with that, and then it starts with, with uh, togetherness and communes on an individual level, but taking away the individual sovereignty. And then when that fails... There has to be an enforcer, but one that will do so peacefully. And then whenever you realize that you cannot do so peacefully, and when you realize that you do, in fact, have to use force to enforce this classless society, that's what leads to the death and destruction of millions of individuals. The most modern-day example of this, of course, is I've Uh, said leading up to this the most modern day example of this would be uh, Venezuela we all have seen in the news and and Venezuela is a case is such a unique case um, and it's a fascinating one but a tragic one Venezuela is something that we have all seen in the news and I want to do a full episode on this at some point in the near future as well as uh, what Democratic socialism is and why it will inevitably follow the same the same trail. that what I'm talking about here uh, always follows but anyway uh, Venezuela is a fascinating yet tragic case in human history because they are such a rich society as far as resources and as far as culture and as far as their people there is no reason why they should be suffering this hard, and ironically enough, the academics and the and the media. In fact, there's something that I'll I'll link here in the uh, in the show notes, and I'll, I'll I want to well document this episode. So I'll be linking a lot of uh, a lot of articles in, in the show notes uh, for this episode. There was a a Slate article, I think, which Slate is just absolute trash and absolute garbage, and this kind of proves it, actually. Um, But it was from a few years ago, and you can't help but laugh, because uh, it shows their arrogance that just a few years ago, they were saying how great of a success story and how prosperous Venezuela was. Right before... All of the things that are happening right now occurred. The government in Venezuela is acting quote-unquote in the best interests of the collective. Their mission is not to protect the individual's sense of sovereignty. No, no, no. Their their mission is to uh, prevent any corporation or or any capitalist from achieving too much power because they see that as the as the great evil and because that became their mission because they decided to to uh go a much more collective route they have some of the the most abundant resources on the face of the planet earth yet they are starving in the streets While their dictators rule like kings. They are living in palaces and they are living in um, mansions. And they're not starving. They're actually a little chunky. While everyone everyone else is waiting in bread lines. Because they can't get enough food to last throughout the week. And one way they enforce this collective society. This socialist paradise that so many academics and so many media figureheads have have called it now they're saying it's not real socialism well news news flash for you yes it is because it has followed the the trail that i have uh, laid out for you here in this episode the natural progression now they have they have banned private gun ownership now why would you want to do that what does that have to do with socialism well whenever Dictators come to power in a social society. Private gun ownership means you don't trust the collective. It means you don't trust the ability of the collective to protect you. If there is no class, there's no individual sovereignty, there's no need for individual defense. When you take away the sovereignty of the individual, then the collective will protect you. The state will take up that role as the collective. There is nothing more inherent to the individual than the right to self-defense, than the right to protect you, your own self, and your family. Gun ownership is, it speaks to that. For a lot of people, that's, that's immediately what they think of whenever they think of self-defense. To properly defend their family from those who would do them harm, whether it is some thug down the street or whether it is um, the government themselves. Well, they have banned guns in Venezuela. They have taken away their individual sovereignty. They have taken away their sense of purpose and they have taken away their sense of protection. There is no collective if there is an individual defense right likewise uh beer is another casualty of of socialism in venezuela and honestly if if those two things don't scream freedom and and don't scream individuality if those two things don't scream liberty i don't know what does i have a a uh i have i have my uh concealed carry on me right now (laughs) that's I almost take for granted—not not necessarily the concealed carry, but just the fact that I, I can do this here in America. Uh, I can have a gun and I can I can protect myself and protect my family. That's something that that's that doesn't happen in other countries that place the collective above the individual. Venezuela is just the latest example of this. And as I said, a uh, beer is another sense of sense of purpose. Because you really need a, you really need a cold one. This is something that Matt Kibbe has spent a lot of time talking about, uh, in his, uh, in his, in his organization, Free the People, and you can go back and listen to that one, uh, that interview that I had with with Matt Kibbe, um, just a few weeks ago, and now that's a, a calamity of socialism as well. For there to be a free society, you must always start with the individual. That's something that Ayn Rand talked about, that the individual is the smallest minority. And that is something I completely agree with. The collective, they may talk about, and when you talk about collective philosophy, it may talk a good game about about everyone just being equal and nobody uh, assuming too much power Well, that's bullshit. That is utter bullshit. Because as long as I have the liberty to achieve my dreams and to go after, and nobody can stop me but myself. I don't let as long as the only thing that can keep me down is myself and there is nothing that can stop me. That's what capitalism is about. Now, I have my own issues with uh, with anarcho-capitalism. I don't think it's it's practical, necessarily, but I will say that I would much rather live in an anarcho-capitalist society than I would under communism. Because at least with anarcho-capitalism, the individual is still sovereign. I can achieve what I want and what I desire to achieve. That's the essence of capitalism. That's the essence of individualism under communism and under collectivism as a whole if you take away the individual's spark and the individual's sense of purpose that will always lead to a Stalin or to a Mao or to a Che or to a Castro or to a Chavez or to a Pol Pot uh, or to a Hitler even though he's more on the right side of it, it's still national socialism. I hate to tell you, but socialism's still part of of Hitler's ideology. It's all collectivism. When you take away the individual's sovereignty, death and despair will always follow. That is something you always have to remember uh, when when discussing with individuals, because this is something that even though Marx died. A long time ago. His ideas are still alive on campuses. His ideas are still alive in academia. And those are about the only places where they where they live. But that's a very dangerous place for them to live. That's a very dangerous place for them to live. Because uh, those are the places where, where these ideas can become a reality. Step out of the theoretical and step into... Reality that's why we have to combat them. That's why we have to prevent them You know uh, a couple weeks ago, or I think it was three weeks ago now um, a a Few weeks ago I, I did a market series on markets and how they work for humanity. That is what we have to show people not just complain about Government even though there's a lot to complain about and I partake in that just as much as 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 any other person would I understand that. But we have to be optimists. And we have to show people how society benefits from the free market. And how you can only achieve that not in a socialist society, not with democratic socialism, not under communism, but only capitalism can provide the wealth, the prosperity, and the happiness that we all so enjoy and so take for granted. Okay, so that is the episode. I know that's a lot to to digest and to take into. I'll have a lot of show notes today for today's episode. Um, quick notes, next week, which I've talked about this before, but I want to mention it again because I want to stress how much I want to see you if you will be in Orlando on... Uh, I don't even know the date. I think it's May 25th, I believe. It's Memorial Day weekend, Friday and Saturday. Um, I will be speaking on a panel on liberty and in, in the media uh, at the Republican Liberty Caucus uh, biennial convention. Uh, so please, if you are going to be there, I encourage you to come out. I encourage you to to come to my panel, especially because I'm hoping that a lot of people will be there. If not, then, well, we'll just have a conversation, I guess. Um, and then if not, we'll see you next week. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, at Caleb Franz. Be sure to um, follow the show on Twitter, at Mill Liberty. Subscribe to us on iTunes so that you will never miss an episode or an update. And one other thing, I... I Announced this last week. I was on a show last week, "The Muddied Waters of Freedom." That's with Muhammad Shaker, who we've had on a guest uh, here on The Liberty, and uh, Matt Wright. And I announced this on on their show. Which, if you haven't listened to that yet, I highly suggest you do, because it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Um, and I may use a bit too many curse words, but regardless, um, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that. But I made an announcement on that show every uh, other week starting the first full week of june we are going to be doing here on this show a summer interview series um throughout the entire summer so every other week throughout the summer there will be six total episodes uh, six total interviews that we do uh and the first two the two for the month of june the first week we will be having uh, Cliff Maloney, who, I'll, who will also be at the Republican uh, Liberty Caucus Convention, that I will be interviewing him there. Um, and the second week that we have this will be Jason Stapleton, a, a podcaster of, of, <laughs> of his own right, uh, and a very good one, I might add. He's one of the, one of the shows of the podcasts that I listen to. Um, and I know he has a big fan base, Cliff as well, Um, but we can announce that for at least the month of June, and stay tuned for uh, several other people that we'll be bringing on that if you have a suggestion, I would love to hear it, because the list is not entirely filled up yet, but it is uh, getting pretty close. And until next week, we'll see you.